Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 6, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There's a whole movement in the church. They teach that you don't need to go to church. There's no reason to go to church. I mean, you know, church, why, why go to church? We can just stay home and have home church. Listen, there could be nothing more unbiblical than that. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Look that up in your own time. It says, do not forsake to assemble yourself together as is the manner of some. We need to go to church. Now, should we go, do we have to go to church on Sunday? No, we don't have to, but you need to go to church. And there's a lot of reasons you need to go to church. Number one, first and foremost, we need to go to church because Jesus did. And he was in the synagogue. Matter of fact, Jesus got in more trouble at church than he got in anywhere else. <laughs> it's true. Read the Bible. When he was at church, he's like, well, what's this Jesus guy doing? When he was up with the prostitutes and the sinners, they were like, hey, Jesus, yay, pal. You know, he was like, you know, no problem. He got in trouble at church. Jesus went to church. But not only do you go to church, are you listening? Not only do you go to church because Jesus went to church, you go to church because God, if you're a believer, has given you gifts. And those gifts are to be used for the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. And when you don't go to church, then you are withholding the gift that God has given to you for you to be a blessing to me. And I want my blessing. And if I don't come to church, it works both ways. If I don't come to church and stand there and teach the word is what God gave me to do, then I'm ripping you off of a blessing for you. And you want your blessing. Now you can say amen. Amen. And we're to use our gifts to build up and to edify the body of Christ. What is happening in the church today is the church is moving day toward this consumer Christian mentality. What... Church people shop for churches like they shop for wheat bread or sourdough. People go to church and they're looking for a church of what the church can give to me. I kid you not. I'm a pastor. I ain't gonna lie to you. People come, well, you know, uh, we just, during the week, we just come to see what the church has. And, we, you know, we have these number of children and we've got this situation and that situation. Oh, by the way, I've got one in the oven. And it was just seeing what the church has and what the church can, has to offer us as a family. Listen, that is the wrong reason to find a church. The reason you go to church is not for what the church can give you, but what you can give to the church. I think two people agree. That's great. And, and, and what's happening in the church is a consumer mentality. We're looking for churches of what the church can give to us. When in fact, when you study the Bible, it's never been like that. It's what you 
give to the church. Now, yes, do we need to have some things in place that minister to people that are for mommies? And we have all those things here. But we don't have all those things because we feel like if we don't have those things, people won't come to our church. What we do here at Calvary Chapel is we, when, when, when there is a need, then we seek to fill it. We don't create a particular thing in hopes that people will come to be a part of that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We don't do that. Lots of churches approach that way. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's not what we do. What we do here is if we have a particular need, then we seek to fill it, not let's get this thing going and hope people come along and support it. The church is not a place for you to come and get your needs met. The church is a place for you to come and meet others' needs and come out of yourself. That's the problem in our country. And you're not going to hear this on radio. You're not going to hear this on my program, you will, but you're not going to hear this on, uh, people are not going to tell you this. But the church is for you to come and be a blessing to somebody else and come out of yourself. We're so self-absorbed in our country. Everything is about me, 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 the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. Versus, hey, I go to church because I want to be a blessing. I go to church because I want to, you know, be amongst other believers who are just like me, who think just like me. I want to go to church to, to love on people, and people will love on me. That's the reason we come to church. That's the reason we come together. The church met for that very reason, not because there was a law. We need to go to church. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 14, it was Paul the apostle who wrote this. He said, one person esteems one day above another and another esteems every day alike. But let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. You see, Every day, for me personally, for Pastor Rodney, every day is belongs to the Lord. You understand? Every day belongs to the Lord. Not just one day, not just a Sabbath, but every single day. Now, in order to demonstrate that God is into showing mercy and not rules, Jesus heals a man. Look at verse 6. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. And now it happened... On another Sabbath also, that he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And so the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely. Are y'all with me? Whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and he stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, what did he say, saints? And what did he do? He did it. He did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled, they the Pharisees, were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Saints, give me your attention. We come to another Sabbath. Jesus is in the synagogue. Dr. Luke, in form as a doctor, gives us great detail that there was a man who had a withered 
right hand. And the language seems to indicate, in the Greek language, it seems to indicate that this man wasn't born that way, that it was over time. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they're standing there giving Jesus the evil eye, waiting to see if Jesus is going to heal the man on the Sabbath. And listen, if you've ever doubted, are you listening? If you've ever doubted, was Jesus a nice person or not? Doubt no further. Get the scene. He is in the synagogue doing a Bible study, minding his own beeswax. And the, and the Pharisees are standing there giving him the evil eye, giving him dirty looks. Don't you hate it when people stand there giving you dirty looks? You see, thank God I ain't Jesus. Jesus is a nice person. They stand there giving me dirty looks. I would have stopped the Bible study, looked at them and said, what, you want some of this? What? You want some of this? Come on. You want some of this? Jesus didn't do that because Jesus is a nice person. He's, he's nicer than you. He's nicer than you. I would say, look, let me tell you something. Keep looking at me like that, and I'm going to send you to the hot place right now. Right now. Keep looking. Right now. Jesus is a nice person. He didn't do that. And notice, I think here, now again, here's a white space. I think this guy, watch this, could possibly be a setup. Because watch this, one of the many Sabbath rules was you couldn't help someone on the Sabbath. If someone was bleeding to death on the Sabbath, you could put a tourniquet on them, but you couldn't do anything else. You could do something to save their life, but you couldn't do more than that. If you fell off a cliff, you could go down and check him out if he's breathing, but then you had to leave him there and tell him you'll be back on Sunday. So it's very possible, I think, I really do think this, that this guy was a plan. They went out and hired, remember, looking for reasons to accuse him. Very possible this guy is a plan. They're using this man, his healing, as bait, but Jesus didn't care. As a matter of fact, go ahead and peek at it again. In verse 8, Jesus tells them, Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And Jesus looked at the man and said, stand up and come here. And Jesus could have said, you know, notice he did it right in front of the crowd. Jesus could have said, come back later and I'll heal you. He could have said that. No, Jesus said, Come center stage right now in the middle of everyone. I, I honestly think Jesus was a little agitated too because he knew this will really make him mad. <laughs> this will make him mad. Come stand center stage right now in the middle of everyone. Look at verse 9. Then Jesus says, let me ask you a question. Is it lawful to do good or evil on the Sabbath to save life or to destroy it? Jesus' point is, listen, there is never, it is never wrong it's, a nev- it's never a wrong day to do something good. Never. Mark chapter 3, verse 5, you can put that together with this story. It's at this point that Jesus looked around and he was angry because of the hardness of their hearts. Again, saints, listen, Jesus got angry. There are some people who think it's wrong to get angry. Can I tell you something? Listen, it's not wrong to get angry. The Bible says, be angry, but somebody help me, sin not. Now, if your anger takes you to the place where you black out and you wake up and have to pace the wall and glue back together chairs because you don't know what happened, I would venture to say 
two words, seek help. But there's nothing wrong with being angry. Listen, the Bible teaches, listen, that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And don't you know, in the image and likeness of God, God has anger. Jesus was angry when he saw people being ripped off in the temple. Mark tells us he was angry when he saw the hardness of their hearts because they were more concerned about religious policy than people. Anger is not good or evil. It can be evil. Your computer is not good or evil. It can be evil. Listen, I love my children. And, 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 and anger sometimes is a necessary part of love. Are y'all listening? Anger is a necessary part of love. If you molest my child... I'm not going to say, you know what? I love you. I'm not angry. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, oh, I love you so much. And, you know, you try to molest my, listen, anger is a part of love. If you try to molest my child, listen, you, I'm going to tell you, you are going to see Jesus very soon. (laughs) Can you say amen, saints? If you do anger, my point is this. Anger and love go together. That's why what's happening in our culture, again, I see it on the horizon. It's, it's horrible. You spank your child, you go into jail. As simple as that. Spank your child, you're going to jail. Show any anger to your child or they call the right phone number, you're going to jail. Listen, that's a problem. Because it's taking you raising your child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and raising them in a biblical way out of your hands and putting it into the hands of a governmental system. Don't get me on that soapbox. That's a problem. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Anger is a part of being in the likeness of God. Notice in verse 9, Jesus looks around. He's angry because they didn't want the work of God to go forward because it didn't fit into their own old wineskins. And they would, are willing, this is shocking, and they are willing to deny the work of God because it doesn't fit into their old way of thinking. And how many Christian people are willing to deny the work of God because it doesn't fit into their old way of thinking? Well, 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 well we just don't, well, we don't do it like that here. I mean, that's just not the way we do things. Or somebody comes in and maybe they're wearing something that you think is a little bit inappropriate. Or some guy you're sitting next to, he got on a big old T-shirt and he got Biggie Smalls on the front. Some of y'all like, who's Biggie Smalls? I'll tell you later. I can't believe he wear, oh my gosh, he got that thug on the front of his shirt. I mean, that's not something you wear to church. Or somebody comes in and maybe her blouse is just a little bit too low. Well, what is she wearing that? Don't she know? Showing all her stuff in the house of the Lord. (laughs) Thursday, I'm at the cleaners. I'm coming out the cleaners. 
This lady walks up. And she goes, oh, nice truck. I said, oh, well, thank you. And, uh, and she, was, she, was, she was dressed inappropriately. Let's just say that. <laughs> I didn't say say that. I said say that. <laughs> she was dressed inappropriately. I mean, down the hair, top up the hair, down there. So needless to say, I'm talking to her, and I'm, I'm actually I'm not trying to walk in the spirit. I'm looking this way here, you know what I mean? <laughs> And she's talking, I'm like, yes, 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 praise the Lord, yes. <laughs> so we got to talking and got to sharing, and, and she goes, oh, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a minister. And she said, um, she's, and she said oh, really, really? <laughs> it was kind of funny. And uh, so I said, well, I'm, I'm a minister, and I began to just share with her, and she just began to talk to me about you know, how she hadn't been to church in a really long time. And the reason she hadn't been to church is because the church won't accept someone like her. She never told me what the someone like her is. But she said, like someone like her, church would never accept someone like her. And I'm listening to her and I'm thinking, you know what? The truth be told, you're probably right. And that's wrong. She was right. She comes in here looking like that, folks. Well, I'm telling you, people will find me. Pastor Ryan, did you see that lady with what she wearing? What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? I ain't going to do nothing. What you need to do is you need to go over there and say hi to her, give her a hug, and sit with her in church and t- show her how to worship the Lord. And we talk. And she, she, she was actually a really, really sweet lady. And we talked, and finally she said, what church do you, what church do you pastor? I told, her, I told her Calvary Chapel, and she said, oh, I know where that church is. A church with all those cars out there all the time? And I said, yeah, that ch- that, that's the church. And she said, maybe I'll, I'll get some, some, some nice clothes and come to church. I told her, I said, well, you know what? We don't make a big thing out of, you know, what you wear. I said, you know, we don't make a big thing out. You know, y'all know we don't make a big thing out of what you wear. Honestly, I don't think God's making a big thing out of what you're wearing. I, I really don't. I really don't. You know what I say? What you wear to church, all I ask is that you wear something. Let the church say hallelujah. Just kind of snatch it up. Yeah, just wear something. Cover that up. That's all I say. Cover that up. That's it. But we don't make a big thing out of what you wear. We can't become a church where we begin to deny the work of God because of our old wine skins, because of what we think church ought to be, or because of what we think people ought to look like. And I can't tell you enough, you are being most unlike Christ when you start judging people by their outward appearance. You'll be, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I'm awake. You're being most unlike the Lord. When people come in the doors, we need to love them and accept them. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit in their life. You're not Holy Spirit too. Some folks think they're the Holy Spirit, the sequel. You know what I'm talking about, Doc? Some folks think they're Holy Spirit, the sequel. As soon as they come in, they want to be, uh, sister, uh, you know, you, you, what you, you know, you might want to sit back up here. Don't sit too much in front of the pastor. That skirt's a little too short there, sweetie. That's the work of the Spirit. I'll tell you something. Don't expect people to be where you are. Listen, this is going to help you. 
Don't expect people to be where you are spiritually today. Don't expect them to be there because it took you 20, 30 years to become your spiritual self. Now, all of a sudden, somebody comes walking through the door and you expect them to be holy. When when you came through the door, you weren't holy. And maybe you had on the wrong thing, but you came and you sat and you listened and you went home and the Holy Spirit began to minister. And then the Holy Spirit said, hey, you know what? Next week, go back to church. Wear something a little bit different. Cover that up. Maybe get a little shirt a little bit up here. You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit does that work. The Holy Spirit, and he will do that work. But we have got to be willing to allow the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God does. And don't try to be Holy Spirit too. I'll wrap it up here. Look at verse 10. Jesus looked at them all. Look at verse 10. Are you looking at it? Jesus looked at them all and gave them the eye and said, man, stretch out your hand. Now think about this. Jesus is asking the man to do something that is physically, humanly impossible. But can I tell you something? That's just like Jesus. Jesus said to the paralytic, get up, take up your bed and walk. Jesus said to the leper, be cleansed. Jesus said to Lazarus, get up out of that grave and come here. Can I tell you something? If Jesus is telling you to do something, do it. Because God's calling, write this down. God's calling is God's enabling. If God calls you to do something, he's already given you the power to do it. Now, all you need to do is obey. God will never ask you to do something that he will not enable you to do. So the man stretched out his hand and was restored as whole as the other. But the religious people were filled with anger and started to devise ways. Did you get this in verse 11? Started to devise ways of getting rid of Jesus. That, my friend, is hilarious. The reason it's hilarious, they are devising ways to kill Jesus on the Sabbath. Oh, oh, my bad. Oh, it's not good. Oh, no, no, no. You can't eat granola on the Sabbath. <laughs> oh, you eating granola on the Sabbath. Oh, you wearing hair wave on the Sabbath. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't go to your neighbor's house and have a cup of tea on the Sabbath, but we can devise ways to kill Jesus on the Sabbath. You devise ways to kill Jesus. Very interesting to get rid of Jesus. You know, let me just close with this. Just like Jesus told the guy to stretch out his hand, saints, listen. Just like Jesus told the guy to stretch out his hand, is it possible, is it possible that God is telling you, listen to me, Is it possible that God is telling you to stretch out your life? Is it possible that God is telling you, I want you to give me more of you? Too often we are praying for more of the Lord. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of the Holy Spirit. God, I want more of you. Can I tell you something? You have all of the God and all of the Jesus and all of the Holy Spirit that you ever going to get. It is not a matter of God giving you. He has poured himself and his spirit into you. It is not a matter of him giving you more of him. It's a matter of you giving him more of you. Did I say that right? Okay. 
It's a matter of you giving him more. Perhaps he's saying to you today, stretch out your life. Give me your life. And you're thinking, I can't. I got this. I got that. Again, God's calling is God's enabling. God will never ask you to do something that he has not given you the power by his spirit to help you do. And if God's saying to you, give me more of you, then do it. God wants to bless you. Did you hear me? God wants to bless you. But the reason God can't move in your situation because you won't let him. Because you keep holding on to you. And God says, you know, you, you really got to, here we go back to Matthew, Levi, you got to leave all, rise up and follow him. You got to leave all. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.